You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 139 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you for the final edition of Brewers on Tap for the 2018 season. That doesn't mean we won't check in with you from time to time over the course of the offseason, but our regular weekly editions of Brewers on Tap will go into hibernation until we report to Maryville Baseball Park in the spring for spring training coming up. Probably late February, we'll be coming at you with a Brewers on Tap uh, from the brand spanking new Maryville Baseball Park. That's certainly exciting. I know we're all excited to see exactly what the new complex down in Phoenix is going to look like. Well, it, it was a disappointing end of the season, Brewers fans, as the crew comes up just short of making the World Series, losing in Game 7 at Miller Park to the Los Angeles Dodgers and losing the best of seven series four games to three. What an amazing ride, though, it was. And I hope, I hope that Brewers fans can, especially as we get a little bit further away from the the hurt and, and, and the sadness that you may feel today, as we get further away from it, you're going to be able to look back on this amazing run from this amazing team and smile and realize how fortunate you were to have a front row seat to watch all of this unfold. It really was an incredible team with incredible personalities and incredible talent, legitimate superstars. And here's the best part about it, Brewers fans. This is the beginning of this window. It's not the end of this window. You're not saying goodbye to all these guys. Christian Yelich is here. Lorenzo Cain is here. Corey Knable is here. Josh Hader is here. Corbin Burns is here. These guys aren't going anywhere. They're going to be a part of this team for a long time moving forward. And I think that should make you smile today, knowing that all these memories from 2018, as incredible as they are, you're going to have more of them moving forward from this core group of players. And that's an exciting thing, in my opinion. Now, as we look back on the year, there, there have been some amazing things that have happened. And if you look at it from all the different accomplishments that this team had, you think about Christian Yelich being the presumable MVP. You think about Josh Hader being the best reliever in baseball. You think about this team winning the NL Central. The individual season that Lorenzo Cain put together that gets overshadowed in some ways. Jesus Aguilar and what he did in the first half to help carry this team. What Ryan Braun did down the stretch. Jeremy Jeffress being an all-star this year. There are some amazing storylines to this season. Sweeping the Rockies in the NLDS. For me, the most impressive accomplishment by this team was how they finished the regular season. For them to be five, six games back with a little over a month to play. Chasing the Chicago Cubs 
the old nemesis. And for the Cubs to play above 500 baseball in the month of September, but the Brewers to go take it anyway, and to force a game 163 and then go down to Wrigley and win game 163, I'm telling you, for me, that was an incredible accomplishment, and it was incredibly rewarding to watch these guys go out and do it. Getting a chance to be around this team on a daily basis throughout the season, to see them do that was the most impressive thing this year because there was no margin for error. They had to keep winning series. They were chasing all month long, and they finally caught them on the second to last day of the regular season. They both went on Sunday, and then they go beat them on Monday. For me, that was the most impressive thing collectively that I saw this team do all season long. Told you about some of the individual seasons that were amazing. Yelich is going to be the MVP, we think. For me, again, just giving you some of my things, for me, the most incredible individual thing that happened this year, and this is going to surprise you, I think, but for me it was Corey Knable. Josh Hader had an amazing year. He was dominant from start to finish. Christian Yelich had a historical second half of the season. Historical. But again... I don't think the Brewers accomplished the things they accomplished without any of those guys. But I specifically don't think that it happens without one guy and his fortitude, his commitment, his ability to stay in it and try to figure things out. And that was Corey Knable. Corey Knable got hurt early in the year. Came back, was okay, but not really himself. They really got into a funk in August, and it got to a point where the Brewers weren't sure if they could put him out there. Can you put Corey Knable out there anymore on the mound? So they had to send him down. And the entire time, Corey Knable kept grinding, kept working at it, kept throwing bullpens, getting feedback, trying to find what he could, trying to get that curveball going again. And all of a sudden, September hit, and Corey Knable was not just the Corey Knable of 2017 when he was an all-star and one of the top closers in baseball. Corey Knable is the best Corey Knable I've ever seen over the month of September and in October in the postseason. He could have very easily hung his head and said, i, I got to get to the offseason and figure things out. He could have very easily got caught up in the quicksand of trying to get himself out of the funk that he was in and kept making it worse. But Corey Knable became a dominant relief pitcher again in September and October. And the Brewers don't do the things they do if he didn't figure that out. He made everybody's job a lot easier, knowing they had another shutdown guy in the back of that bullpen. So for me, that was individually one of the most impressive things I saw all season long. And now how about moments? Those special moments. Yelich and Braun going back-to-back to to walk off the Cardinals at home. Jesus Aguilar is incredible at bat to walk off the Marlins. Eric Thames walking off the Rockies. There's a ton of really cool moments for this team. And when I start thinking about all those different moments, those different cool things, I'm sorry, I can't really... I can't really go anywhere but game 163. To go beat the Cubs on their turf at Wrigley 
with the rest of the country watching for a game 163 I for me that was that was just a really cool moment clinching the NLDS and getting to the NLCS was more important in a lot of ways clinching a berth to the postseason in St. Louis was probably more significant or or symbolic in a lot of ways but again this team had a mission to win the central and to finish ahead of the Cubs and you could see it throughout the month of September and to see them accomplish it was really neat and it was really cool there are some amazing things that came out of this season and I just hope that you'll all remember them smile think of them and again remember this window is just starting this team will add I don't know what they'll add I don't know how much they'll add I don't know how much they need to add this is a team that was one game away from the World Series to win a World Series you need a lot of luck the ball has to bounce your way you have to stay healthy but this team is in position is in position to compete to get themselves to the World Series for many years to come so don't be sad be excited about what the future holds for Brewers baseball we're gonna sit down now with the general manager of the Brewers David Stearns talk to him about this amazing season some of the things that are on the horizon for the Brewers We'll also talk to the manager of the Brewers, Craig Council, coming up in just a little bit as well. But right now, let's talk to the man that put this team together, David Stearns. Let's break it down. Brewers on Tap continues as we chat with Brewers general manager, David Stearns. What an amazing year this was. Uh, it, it's, it, it hurts a little bit still, I know now, for you and for everybody else in the organization. But um, there's going to be plenty of time to look back on this and understand just how special this is and how hard it is to get to the point this Brewers team was able to get to. No question. And whenever you're not the one that wins the last game of the year, it's, it's going to hurt. And um, we feel that right now. I think I think our organization feels it. Our fan base feels it. And uh, to some extent, it's added motivation to, to try to be that team that, that wins the last game of the year. Um, but there are a whole lot of really great memories, great stories that came out of this season. Um, from an organizational standpoint, I couldn't be more proud about where we are as an organization and our prospects for the future. So uh, we're, we're all going to look back on this season and these times with really fond memories. And, and I do think it propels us to, to even bigger and better things going forward. I think one of the things you've been great at over the course of your career has been not to get emotional about things you don't make emotional decisions it's hard to do in this sport and in any sport when you're making personnel decisions so with that being said coming up one game shy of the world series i i would guess you're pretty good at at blocking that out and still just making the best decisions you think are right for this team moving forward i i think i think what we try to do and what i try to do is allow myself to be emotionally invested in the team and and emotionally uh, invested in each and every single game. And then when it comes to, to the decision-making process, do our best to take emotion out of it. And, and um, that is not easy to do. Uh, we're all emotional creatures. We're all really competitive people. So it does take some work, but we, we make our best decisions when we can remove emotion from it. And, and, and uh, look, there, there are places where this team can improve, but it's also a very solid core uh, that's going to come back and it's going to be here for multiple years. You don't have a ton of decisions to make in terms of free agency and things of that nature. You have Soria and uh, Moustakis that both have mutual options that you guys will take a look at, I'm sure. And then you have 
uh, a few other guys. You always have to decide whether or not you're going to tender a contract. So those are probably the, the main pressing things that you guys are looking at right now, getting ready for what is on the horizon. And then, of course, what you're going to do with your 40-man roster because that, that's another thing that always comes into play at some point in November. That's right. The, the offseason has a very familiar uh, pattern to it that we go through every year. And so uh, you start talking about 40-man roster uh, protections, 40-man roster removals, um, tender deadline decisions, what players we, we may tender through the arbitration process. And as you mentioned, this year we do have a couple option decisions that we'll have to go through over the next week to 10 days. So those are all part of the conversations that we have now that, that we're um, fully in off-season mode. Um, the transition happens pretty quickly, but we're prepared to make that transition. And not, not talking specifically about either of those two players that, that happen to have mutual options, but with, with the mutual option, for our, for our listeners, take us through that process. Does that provide an opportunity to maybe, even if you don't necessarily, maybe, maybe neither side really wants to go down that road, but does it open a window for other types of conversations with that player because it exists? It can. So sometimes mutual options are, are, are put in there. Um, as a way to get the player a little bit more money via a buyout. Sometimes they're put in there as an avenue to, to open future discussions. Um, you know, it is, it is rare uh, that mutual options are exercised by both parties. So it, it's generally there for another purpose. And look, in this case, the two players that, that have mutual options were important parts of our team in the second half. Um, both guys did their jobs, and I'm sure we're going to have conversations with them throughout the offseason. What are some of the areas that you look at right now, and this is what you and your, your staff are doing, you're, you're evaluating this team looking forward, but what are some of the areas where you, you think this team can get even better in this upcoming offseason? I think the, the first area we look at is the emergence of, of some of that young starting pitching that we've been talking about for a couple of years that we alluded to in spring training with the depth we thought we had at the upper levels and then throughout September and October, we saw some guys really take steps forward when you're talking about a Corbin Burns and a Brandon Woodruff and a Freddie Peralta pitching very meaningful innings at a very high level in, in some pressure-packed environments. And so for us to see that as an organization is very encouraging. And you add those guys to, to an already fairly stable rotation and, and the potential um, return of Jimmy Nelson, and it gives, us, it gives us a pretty good deal of confidence that we're going to head into next year uh, with a really competitive pitching staff. Looking down on the farm quickly, you have the Arizona Fall League going on right now. Keston Hira is doing what he's done pretty much at every level he's been at. He's, he's absolutely raking again in the Arizona Fall League. I believe he has five extra base at 17 RBIs in like nine games. It's really amazing how he's been able to hit regardless of where you put him. How do you guys feel about how he's progressed defensively and how close do you feel like he's getting? So we've actually been very pleasantly um, impressed with Keston's defensive work. And for a guy who didn't really play defense his junior year in college, um, was recovering from an elbow injury that appears to be in the rearview mirror for him. And what we saw this year uh, throughout uh, his, his first full pro season um, was someone who can absolutely play second base and stay at second base. And the fact that he got through the season healthy, um, got through the season in good shape, both defensively and offensively, was very encouraging to us. So he's a guy we, we expect to be a major league player. Um, time frames on these things are always yeah. pretty tricky, but we certainly expect that he's going to be able to, to make an impact here in Milwaukee, uh, both with his bat and on the dirt. How has the rehab so far gone for Mauricio Dubon, another really impressive young middle infielder that's having a big year until he had that injury? Yeah, really unfortunate timing for Mauricio. He was a guy who was beginning to work himself into the conversation of, of someone who could potentially help with the major league team. 
Um, not surprisingly, he's thrown himself full force in, into his rehab program. He spent uh, the entirety of, of the summer and much of the fall uh, in our complex in Maryville working with our medical staff there. He just recently returned home to Honduras um, for a, a, couple of, um, uh, a couple of weeks just to see some family and, and then we'll come back um, to Phoenix and, and, uh, and, and work with our medical staff again a little bit later in the offseason. Is it hard for you to believe that the next time you're with this team, it's going to be at Maryville Baseball Park and it's going to be a brand new facility? That's exciting. It is exciting. We're looking forward to it. And um, the, the commitment from our ownership group, the commitment from the city of Phoenix um, to get this project going so quickly, uh, to hopefully complete it so quickly, is impressive for all of us to watch. And it's going to be a state-of-the-art, world-class facility. It's going to be the hub of all of our training efforts. I know our players are excited about it. Our staff is excited about it. We can't wait to get in there. David, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Congratulations again on a great 2018. Thanks, Lane. I appreciate it. My thanks to David Stearns for joining me. Had a chance to catch up with him following the season, and he's very excited. This is a, this is tough for these guys because general manager meetings are just a couple weeks away, and normally you have a little bit more time to get yourself ready for that. So they've had to be doing postseason prep work while the postseason was going on. I should say off-season prep work. They've been doing off-season prep work while the postseason was going on to make sure they're ready to go and make the decisions they have to make right away because the window to get yourself prepared is a little bit shorter now because the team's been playing this entire time. It's really kind of fascinating. So the Brewers have some time now to, to get themselves figured out and get themselves organized, but the off-season and some of the moves and decisions to tender guys, that's all coming up very, very quickly. The guy that pressed the buttons for the Brewers is Craig Council. You all know him. He's probably going to win more Manager of the Year awards before it's all said and done. Sporting News named him the co-NL Manager of the Year. I would be very shocked if there aren't more Manager of the Year titles coming his way at the end of the season. I had a chance to sit down with the skipper and talk to him about this Brewers team and the ride they took us on. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get up! Time to catch up with the crew. As we continue along on Brewers on Tap, we are joined by Brewers skipper Craig Council. This was uh, an incredible season, a really fun season. I know you enjoyed being around this team. And when you look back on all the different accomplishments, there's so many. But I, I think for me at least, and I want to get your thoughts, it's the way this team went and won the Central down the stretch. It's not like the Cubs played poorly down the stretch. The Brewers just played better and went and took it. And I, I think that's always neat any time a team can come together and, and accomplish something like that. I, I think you're right. Um, you know, we, we got to a point, you know, in September um, where, you, you know, we, we had no margin for error and we had to win games and we had to win games. You know, you don't like to say I got to, but we, we that was the story for the last really – four weeks of the season we had very little margin for error and and we we executed it you know the 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 stretch where whatever it was 11 out of 12 series or 12 out of 13 series that we won is a really long stretch of consistent baseball and uh the way we finished it out with um you know winning um seven eight or seven in a row to close out the regular season and going to chicago to, to win game 163 it's just it's really rare stuff, and it's stuff that uh, you should celebrate and, and you should enjoy and understand that it's pretty special. 
Yeah, as you go through a season, you learn about players, and you have a young core. Uh, as the season went along and some of the moves were made from Moustakis and Soria and Granderson, it got a little bit more veteran-like in this clubhouse. But for the most part, this core is young. There's still a lot that you and your staff are probably learning about some of this young core, and they're still learning about the game at the major league level. What about the development side of it that you felt like really produced good results that, that speak well for future years? You're looking for young players to, um, you know, I think as much as anything, show you that they can perform at a really high level. And as, they, as their careers go on, the consistency of that will improve. But I think what we saw this year is we saw some young players, they, they showed us, like, look, I can, I can be a, a big-time player and, and not just, a, you know, a, an average dude. I can be a, a little more than that. And so I think we, we saw that uh, from a number of players. Um, you know, not every guy is going to have his best season every single year. But um, we had enough young players, and really probably more on the pitching side this yeah. year, um, take some really big step, steps forward, and, and which should be really encouraging for us next year. And really the numbers is what makes it encouraging. We've had, we had a number of guys show us a lot and, um, you know, we, we probably won't, you know, see that continue from every single one of them. But enough of them did it where there's some pretty good signs that we got some pretty darn good big leaguers there. I think everybody knows, you know, the year that Josh Hader put together was, was historic in many ways. But, but Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, you have a nucleus of young arms that, that figure to be a big part of this rotation moving forward. And, and they may not be up for all of next year. Who knows what the future holds. But... Um, as, as you start to plan out for next season, knowing that you have that kind of starting pitching depth, what does that do for you as you try to put everything else together? We, we start out with a really good um, just foundation of, of, uh, of innings, I think, is, is the biggest thing. Um, you know, we will add to it. David will add to it. But the foundation is, is really good and puts us in a position of strength as, the, as, the, um, you know, as we enter the winter. So... Um, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I think uh, for any team and, and you know, ha not having pitching is kind of the scariest thing. Um, you know, we feel like we're in a really good place there. And I think we're in a good place in, in all areas of the team, really, where, you know, David and, and, and our group will have, you know, choices of where to get the best value and kind of how to supplement uh, the roster. And, and that's a good spot to be in because uh, then we can be, I think David can be really efficient with the, with the choices that he makes. Managing in the postseason is different than the regular season. It's certainly different than June. Uh, I think everybody understands that. Some of the moves you make might be more aggressive with, with how you use your bullpen and, and all sorts of different things. And we saw that over the course of, of this postseason. How much of that, because it seems like you, you were pretty comfortable with what, with what you were doing, how much of that is just watching the postseason and kind of playing things out in your mind over the years? And how much of that was that in some ways in September you started managing that way too? Yeah, I mean, you know, back to your first question, I, the fact that I think we had to be so uh, perfect, you know, throughout the month of September put us into it, put, you know, me into a good mode probably and, and us into a good mode um, as the month went on. And, and the other thing is, you know, again, and I say this a lot and I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't think people appreciate it. We're really trying to take advantage of what we have on this team. And, um, 
And that's what a lot of this came down to is and it, it's not going to be the same formula next year. There, there, there could be a completely different formula of how we um, how we go about things because we have different uh, roster composition. So, um, you know, with this roster, we, we tried to use our guys skills and specifically our pitcher skills to kind of take advantage of what we thought we had. And that was, you know, this this group of um, young pitchers that were starters, but we thought had a, had a big chance to kind of impact us maybe in some shorter stints. So that's what they ended up doing. And, and you know, if you look back on it, really, um, you know, Josh in 2007, Hader in 2017, last year was really the, the kind of guy that sparked all this and and made us thought think about creating a different way to use pitching and, and um, how – uh, a pitcher like this could pitch in multiple inning stints and, and help us cover games and bridge games and win parts of a game that the teams weren't focusing on. So, um, you know, we, we just had a different group of guys and, and thought of different ways to try to make them the most successful to win games. When people ask me about this team and this organization, the, the thing that I always tell them that they can't maybe see, they, they see it in the dugout, they see it during the games a little bit, but to me, the thing that makes this whole thing tick is the culture that, that you've created here. And if you get a chance to be around these guys on a daily basis, you see it. These guys genuinely enjoy coming to the ballpark every day. And that might sound like something kind of corny or cheesy, but it really matters, I think, over 162 games. If guys don't like coming to the ballpark and being around each other, they're not going to play as well, regardless of how talented they are. What has been the key for you in creating that culture that has seemingly been such a strength of this club, not just this year, but really in 2017? And, and I think in 2016, te- too, it was a 73 and 89 win team, but a lot of people had that team losing 100 games going into that year, and they played pretty good baseball throughout most of that summer. Um, you know, I mean, we, we, we use the word connected. I think that's an important word for us. Um, I think just as important is you know, let people be themselves and, and, and they have to trust that, that they're able to be themselves. And if, and if you're able to be yourself, then, um, you know, I think that you got, that you have a better chance for your best self to come out. And, um, so that's, that's, I think it's an important part of what we've tried to do. Um, it, it, it means, um, you know, at, at times you have to, um, you know, not give small things oxygen you have to allow small things and and then let them go away um so that you can get the big things um and and i think you know we all get bogged down in small details sometimes and and it's my job not to get bogged down in the small details because i think the big things are the things that really matter and and get us the most value and i think i've always thought if if you can if players players got here because they were uh they were gifted and they have this personality that allows them to be successful let's let that shine at this level um the, we they're here because they're talented they're here because we think they can do special things um i don't want them to be scared i don't want them to be intimidated i don't want them to be nervous around me or the coaches um and i and i think it's important and i think um you know, if you're able to be yourself, um, you know, the, the, the caring for each other and the connectedness will, will shine through, and, and hopefully it looks like we're all having a lot of fun. Well, Counts, congratulations. A great year. I know that uh, it hurts a little bit right now, but as the days go on, you look back on this and, and realize just how special this group really was. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lane. Always good to catch up with Craig Council, and our thanks to him for everything uh, that he did for us over the course of this season. All right, that is going to do it for us. 
It is a, a bittersweet day as the Brewer season is over, but what a tremendous year it was and what a tremendous year 2019 figures to be. We'll check in with you, as we said, from time to time over the course of the offseason. So make sure you're listening for those episodes of Brewers on Tap when they come your way. I'm Lane Grindle. Have a great offseason, everybody. Go Brewers. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.